Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. All right. Who loves church? I woke up extremely happy today, so if I come across extra goofy today, get used to it, because I'm happy, and nothing's going to bring me down. About a month ago, uh, we, I did a standalone sermon at that time that I said would be a series that I didn't make a series, because things went a different route, but I called it Mission Earth, the, the purpose of a true believer or of a believer. And that is two things, if you remember. Number one, be full of light. How many people realize, and even I preached this last week, you're, you're, you're like fertile ground that whatever is planted in you is going to grow and materialize. So what are you filling yourself with? Be full of light. Allow the Lord to do an internal work in the inside of you. Don't pick out what's wrong with everybody else and not let the Lord show you the things in your life that you've got to grow in. Amen? Amen. Be full of light. Once you start serving God, if you are the greatest Christian that has ever walked the earth and you live 127 years, you still will not exhaust what God wants to transform in your life and bring you to. He is limitless. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Amen. So shine for Christ. And uh, I was thinking about that even in worship today, uh, that scripture about when Paul was shipwrecked and how many people feel like 2020 looks a little bit like a shipwreck, you know? Two of us. That's awesome, you know. <laughs> Looks a bit like a shipwreck in some circles. You've got to be in the, in the right circles, though, obviously. But it's been a wild year, so to speak, and a bit of a shipwreck. But in the shipwreck, Paul, of course, builds a fire. Fire represents the move of the Holy Spirit, I believe. Supernatural things of God. And in that, it revealed the serpent that was hiding. The serpent latched hold of Paul, but he shook it off. And so whatever effect the enemy has had or planned and strategized for the church, for the world, for the nations right now, the church shakes it off and we say it will not have any effect. Every strategy of hell will come to nothing. And if you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. And let me just say this. I believe that President Trump will be reelected. And I will say this. If he doesn't, it is just evidence of an absolute corruption in this nation. Plain and simple, he did not, Biden did not win under any circumstances, honestly. And you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm Caleb Ring, and I approve that message. I would like to take a moment and welcome everybody watching online. I would ask, write a comment, tell us where you're watching from, and we actually have plans to try and start... Uh, reaching out to our online community more and more, and just we, we're excited about it. We know so many people tune in, and so we want to say we love you guys. You guys are precious. You are special, and we pray that the anointing that we feel here would carry through over those cameras, and you would feel it in your living room or wherever you are. Amen. So how many people would sense or declare that we're living in a very strategic time uh, on both sides? Obviously, it seems like plans are coming to fruition in many circles, both in the kingdom and in the kingdom of darkness. And we can have peace because we know, let's face it, we win. I read the back of the book, and we win. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we win. Oh, we win. It's like LSU and Alabama. Nobody at all thought LSU was going to win. It's going to be Alabama. I say football things just to pick on people from certain areas. Moving on. The Bible says help keep people humble. It actually doesn't say that, but I'll use it there. (laughs) Scripture check. Okay. Second part. None of this is rehearsed. I apologize. I entirely blame Antonio. I'm actually... I was such a well-respected preacher in, in high regards and in certain circles before this guy showed up. And so if you ever wonder what's wrong, it's Antonio. Just ushers, pull him out. It's going to get awesome. A second part of the series was to shine for Jesus. We have got to shine for the Lord right now. Amen. It's an hour. 
And if you think about people that study the end times, Matthew 24 talks about, you know, the wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, the crazy things that are happening. And it ends with, but this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to every nation. And so you want to know where we're at in the timeline of biblical prophecy. We're in the part where this gospel shall be preached to every nation. And the gospel will be preached in demonstration and in power. Come on, somebody. Which means it takes the private time of diving into the heart of the Lord and just immersing yourself and saturating yourself with Him and in Him so that when you stand before others, He in you, greater is He that is in you than He that is in this world. Amen? Be instant in season and out of season and stand for the things of God. And I promise you, God is just looking for some born-again, spirit-filled, beautiful men and women to stand in this hour. And it will disrupt the work and the strategy of hell. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Today I'm, I'm continuing the series Mission Earth, focusing on the job of the church. And I feel to do this because there, there is like a, a tension of uncertainty right now. I recognize that. I will encourage you that if you wake up and you feel that tension, it's just because God is entrusting you with insight into the spiritual things going on. Do not give way to heaviness. Because your neighbors say, I ain't, heavy. I ain't heavy. I know it's Christmas time, but I ain't heavy. I'm getting lighter by the day. Don't give way to that spiritual heaviness. But when you feel it, speak things out of your mouth. Open your mouth and begin to declare the word of the Lord. Because God is looking to usher in the third great awakening. I believe it. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Come on. All right. So Isaiah, Isaiah, whatever you want to say, potato, potato. Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, Unto us a child is born. That's right. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Say that with me. Say, the government will be upon his shoulder. One more time for good measure. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. When I first read Isaiah, when I was a born-again believer, my mind was like, it felt like fireworks exploding in the inside of me. When I read Isaiah, Isaiah, whatever, <laughs> I was like, my mind was blown because I thought this, this man prophesied many generations before Christ in explicit detail what Jesus was going to do, where he was going to come from, what he was going to stand for. And it's like everything verbatim Jesus fulfilled. It was basically or absolutely entirely impossible to fulfill it. And yet Jesus knocked off every single check mark. And when I read that as a born again believer, brand new, I thought, man, how can atheists even deny the existence of God? Like, this is proof. It's proof. And I felt like I was the only one in the world that had that revelation. So I couldn't wait to go to Bible, uh, the, the, the Bible study that weekend. And I'm like, guys, you don't know this. But Isaiah talks about, and they're like, Jesus. Yeah, obviously, everybody, yeah, duh. It was kind of like deflation at that point. But I felt to read this because Isaiah starting out prophesies about Jesus and gives you great detail, number one, that the government will rest upon his shoulder. This is why Herod tried to kill Jesus when Jesus was born. It wasn't because he's a cute baby. It wasn't because shepherds came. It's because of this prophecy right here that King Herod knew about, and when he read it and he heard about the Messiah being born, he thought, this guy's going to grow up and take the kingdom from me because the government rests upon his shoulder. So if I can kill him now, I can stop it. But how many people realize every time the enemy tries to stop what God has in store, he epically 100% fails. Come on. So exciting. It's like the tense moments are so fun because you're like, <laughs> just waiting for the breakthrough to be like, nah, I'm a Christian, so I can't say I told you so, but <laughs> he told you so. Amen. It's exciting to know this. The government rests upon Jesus' shoulders. I'm, I'm leading that up to be an embassy for heaven's nation, which we are, ambassadors of Christ. You are representatives 
of a heavenly kingdom that has no end ever. You represent that kingdom. That's whose laws you enforce. That everywhere you step, the sole of your foot treads. It becomes its sovereign land for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness' laws do not apply. Wickedness, chaos, perversion stop where the kingdom of God advances. If you believe it, shout amen. All right. So to be an embassy of heaven's nations, we set up his kingdom on this earth. It's set up with his laws, his ways, and his government. Right? So how many people realize as a born-again believer, whether certain things are made legal by the government or not, you don't partake because you don't look to the government to tell you what is okay. You look to the Word of God and you stand for that righteousness. That's what we do. We're not crazy. We just know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Brother, preach. What is scripturally being shown here, this is a prophecy before Jesus came, but what is scripturally being shown is an official transference of authority because the enemy had taken authority in the Garden of Eden from man that would have been given dominion over the earth. And so that happened, that transpired. But Isaiah prophesies about this, giving you an official transfer of authority that Jesus stepped into the scene and restored authority back to the church. Say the church. Who is the church? It's those that love Jesus, that follow after him, that gave their heart to him, that keep themselves filled with the oil so that their lamp is ever burning. Amen? How many people have a lamp that is burning in this place right now? Did your neighbors say, you need to get oil. Be oily. <laughs> Romans 13, 1 through 4. I said all that to go into this scripture. This scripture has been used a lot this year. And so I want to go through this. Uh, before I move any further, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Romans 13, verse 1. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. All right. What has, been, what has happened this year is it's been a very evident, I would say, to anybody that's logical or maybe the term would be intelligent. I'm going to try not to. I don't know. Intelligent. Common sense would show you that there has been a power struggle. In this nation, who's in control? Is the president in control? Is the Senate in control? Is governors in control? Are mayors in control? Is police chiefs in control? Is the health department in control? Is the CDC in control? Is corporations in control? Are you with me? Is that not what is happening right now? And everybody's trying to exert authority to figure out who gets the final word. Let me tell you who really gets the final word every single time. It's the mob. It's the people. So if we have enough people stand up, then you can't stop us. Amen? And I'm talking about standing up for righteousness. Amen? Amen. And we've witnessed that. But the reality is it's been crazy. Romans 13 has been used to attack the bride that is going against government mandates right now. And so I want to show this to you. But before I get into it, let me ask you this. So does that mean that... America as a whole, when she rebelled against England and formed as a nation, that this nation was birthed in rebellion? Is America a mistake? Is America basically cursed from God because she was birthed out of rebellion? No, because that's not what brought America about. What brought America about was the understanding, and I went through this in the first service, that it was a group of people on fire for God. Don't let them tell you anything else. It was a massive move that erupted, that actually started the Presbyterian church where the Scots-Irish people had a supernatural encounter with God where the fire of heaven hit them. It spread from Scotland and Ireland down into England. People like George Whitfield and stuff were encountering God, John Wesley on the road, and it was like supernatural intervention from God. England was wicked at this time because a wicked king that had no one to check his power took the church and made it the church of England. And he did this so that he could divorce his wife. Are you with me right now? It's okay for a history lesson quickly. 
And so he did that because he didn't like this chick. He wanted to get rid of her and get another one. So he did that, and then he got another one after that, and then he got another one after that. Because perversion knows no end. And so the church was literally the power robbed from them. They had no authority. The, the government took over the church, and thus a move of God brought those people from tyranny to a brand new foreign land to start something with the fear of God as being the premise of what we came here for, for the freedom to worship God and not be told what it looks like. Amen. Amen. How many people are thankful for that? So number one, if you want to use that every time a government indicates something that if the church goes against it, the church is wrong, what about Nazi Germany? What about in Nazi Germany when the, the, the Nazis began to federalize the churches once again and make them state churches? You preach what we tell you to preach. You do what we tell you to do. And those that didn't were thrown in the concentration camps with the Jewish people. This is history. And so who was in the right there? The one that gave their life standing for the word of God or the person that submitted to the governing authorities? Now, I'm not preaching this to incite a riot. I'm not telling you to go get your AR-15s and storm City Hall. What I'm preaching is so that the clarity of your heart can be understood. It is not a wicked thing to stand for the word of God, no matter what. And if man resists you or comes with you, you still have an obligation, first and foremost, to the kingdom of God. Do you, do you recognize that authority? We say he's the king of kings. You've got to mean he's the king of my life. And even if what he tells me to do endangers my life, I have to be submitted to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I tell you, the 9 o'clock service loved this part. You guys are like, I'm going I'm to turn John Odell loose on you guys, and it'll be over with. Listen, first and foremost, the author of this was Paul. Did Paul do what the government told Paul to do? No. He was literally arrested for breaking the law and died for it. And so Paul wrote this, but the terminology I want to draw your attention to is the specific terms Paul wrote. Number one, everybody in here, outside of religion, most people in the world, well, everybody in the world that has not just given over to total perverse or demonic influence would recognize the sanctity of life, that we have the right to live peaceably. We have the right to property. Come on. And so anywhere tyranny exists, it's when people take what doesn't belong to them. And all across the world, we understand that. So that's why police exist, to serve and protect. So if somebody comes on your yard, and you don't want them on your yard, and they don't belong on your yard, you can call someone to get them from the premises. That's good versus evil, right? That's understanding. And the terms that he uses, good versus evil. So when a government begins to promote wicked or evil things, does the church have to follow along with evil things? We do not have to follow along with evil things because the terminology that he uses is the government exists to bring condemnation or conviction against those that do evil. But when the government stands for evil, then the church has an obligation first and foremost to the kingdom of God to stand against all tyranny and all wickedness and say no over our dead body. It may cost us our life, but Jesus first, his kingdom first, his way. We are of a kingdom that is unshakable. You can pull the trigger, but you can't stop the move of God. Somebody shout amen. I'm telling you, we stand on the cuff. It's such a prophetic, tense moment right now. And God is just looking at the church saying, come on, bride. Stir yourself up. Gird up your loins. And look to the, to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And declare a move of God is coming. Then wickedness cannot stop. Hallelujah. Woo. Think about China. China, where this whole year... It's been screwed up because of those guys. And I love Chinese people, and I love Chinese food. So let's talk about it a little while. But in communist China, there's places they still have to worship underground. Are those believers in the wrong? They're not in the wrong. You better believe God is showing up in their midst. His presence is poured out upon them. He's filling them up. And so if God is approving of it, it is righteousness and it is holiness because in God there is only light and there is no shadow of turning. Are you with me right now? Come on, I brought it right there. And you understand that to be true. So don't let anybody shame you for standing first for the word of God. That's what we stand for. You don't like it? That's okay. 
I love you anyways because I have a love on the inside of me that man can't give and man can't take away, baby. You can, you can curse me. You can come at me, bro. But all that's on the inside of me is love. I can bless you. I can pray for you. I can lead you to the one that set me free too. I'm not going where you're going. I'm going somewhere else. And I want you to go there too. Amen. So I said all that to say that. Romans 13. Let's establish the fact that we are not calling people to rebellion, but we're calling people to submission to God's word. There is a difference, and righteousness does matter. And this generation is starting to blur the lines based on a social gospel that tells you if you hurt the feelings of someone, you're not standing for Christ. And that is not biblical. That is not true. Sometimes Jesus spoke words so harsh that people took seven gulps of air. <laughs> Jesus, heal me. You're a dog. Oh, that's friendly. Right? Jesus, my dad died. Let the dead bury the dead, sucker. Like, that's harsh, right? But he just died. Let him bury the dead. We move on. Let the living live. Well, that'll preach right now, won't it? The air sucked out of half the room. The other half is like, go ahead. Go ahead. It's like a great exchange. Oh, Jesus. It's incredible to see. And how many people, real? I mean, it's been painful this year if you have common sense. Can we recognize that for a moment? Can we just take a breath and be like, what a weird year? Okay, it is super weird. And if you have any common sense whatsoever, you were ha you, I know you're having a problem trying to process what's going on right now. And so I'm with you 100%. I have always thought of myself as an extremely laid-back person. But there have been times this year that I'm like, okay, 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 cool, 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 cool. Like, okay, it's okay. So you want me to stand outside and download an app so that you can bring me the drink outside because inside I'm contaminating this presence, but you don't have a mask on because you're behind, anyways, whatever. It's so weird that you're like, I, I, I'm trying to be cool. I just don't know what cool is anymore, apparently. <laughs> it's quiet in this church, man. It's, I tell you, that's all right. I'm going to break it free. I ain't scared. I got my Holy Spirit shirt on. Wapow! <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Palms. What the palmist wrote. <laughs> it hurt. Psalms 33, 10, and 12 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord, though, stands forever. And the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody rest easy at night. Because God brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. The strategies of dark things mean nothing. As long as the church is on the earth, we restrain the enemy every time we show up at the place. Come on. Authority has been given to the church in this capacity. And we're going to go into that in, in, in detail as I preach today. But I want you to realize something. Your presence matters. God picked you to be here right here right now in this hour. And any tension you do feel is because God's given you a word to declare over this nation right now. Amen. 
Blesses the nation whose God is the Lord. Do you know when God called Abraham, he called him a nation. So God called an individual a nation. And in 1 Peter, it actually talks about you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. So blesses the nation whose God is the Lord. The blessing of God is upon you. Come on, somebody. You stand with that blessing. It's inescapable. There's not a dark room that you can lock a believer into that the blessing of heaven cannot find them. There's not a fire that can be heated up enough to where the blessing of God cannot sustain you. You can throw us in the lion's den, but the lions will be shut because the blessing of God is upon the church of Jesus Christ. And you read the blessings. You read what God has done in this story, in the Bible, and you realize this is truth. People have stood against wicked things, and against all odds, the presence of God made the difference. Daniel stood up against tyranny. He stood up there, and he prayed anyways. They threw him in a lion's den. The king said, oh, Daniel, is your God able to continuously save you from the mouth of the lions? And he looked down and he said, my God is. Come on, somebody. The very people that threw him in were chomped up in two seconds, but Daniel came walking out. Why? Because the blessing sets you apart. Somebody say amen. Are you blessed in this house? Are you blessed in this house? Hallelujah. Esther. Esther had to stand against a wicked governor. A wicked governor that was going to murder mercilessly every Jewish person. She had to be crafty. She had to be clever. But the blessing of God set her apart and positioned her at the moment that it needed to happen. That a woman was standing there with the fear of God and the wisdom of the supernatural to take a stance. Let me tell you, know this. The enemy has strategized and planned, but God has planned better. He has planned better, and God has positioned the right people at the right places, and we are standing on the cuff of the greatest outpouring of God's Spirit that we have ever seen. Are you filling with hope right now? Stir it up, church. You should wake up every morning smiling from ear to ear, having your coffee, opening your Bible to say, God, let me just see one more time how we're going to (laughs) win. You say, is this about politics? It's not about politics. It's about light versus darkness. It's about the reality of the hour. It's about the fact that Jesus is looking to move supernaturally. And he's looking for the church to get the job done. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood against a a wicked government that said, You will bow and worship every time you hear the psaltery, the harp, and the sackbutt. Which, who knows what a sackbutt is? Like, bro, you know what? Antonio knows what a sackbutt is. Tell us what a sackbutt is. (laughs) I don't know, but one thing's for sure. Basically... With a name like that, it was hard to find somebody to play that instrument. (laughs) Harps, play. Where's the sack butt guy? Oh, Oh, it's a trombone. Oh, okay. Who knew? In case you were wondering, you're welcome. From now on, when you're at the marching band and you see the trombone, you'll be like, great job, Mr. Sackbutt player. <laughs> It'll bless them. It'll bless their heart. <laughs> How did they get Sackbutt out of that? <laughs> the blessing of God is to be cherished and guarded. It is the most precious part of our lives. And so that's why fearing God and standing for his word matters. It's like a constant sensitivity we develop that is my heart pure towards God. That's what matters. Because you can face any storm if you know that there's nothing between you and God. But it's an entirely different story when you feel, man, I have shamed the Lord. I have broken my covenant. I have done something wrong. And then you try and stand. That's where repentance has to take place, and then the Lord brings healing, and he's with you once again. But the blessing of God sets the church apart. We do have an obligation to stand, and against all things, continue to stand. Amen? Are you with me so far? So we're standing in a pivotal time as a nation, as the nations of the world right now, but it's also an exciting time when you get the revelation of the fact that great things are happening right now. Take just this year alone. Great wealth has been transferred this year. 
Extreme amounts of wealth are being transferred. Major, major corporations are literally going belly up right now. That wealth is being turned over. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that he that continues to sin must turn his wealth over to those that are pleasing to God. Did you know that? That right there, some be like, I'll take that, bro. Put that on my vision board. You got, a, you got a bad neighbor be like, that's right, keep on sinning. No, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. But the Bible says there, there's coming a transference of wealth at the end time that there will be a great shaking and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. We're in a shaking right now. Do you think that we're in a shaking right now? And so that shaking is not meant to make a believer be timid or afraid. It's meant to make a believer realize the prophetic signs that are happening around her and say, Holy Spirit, tell me where am I supposed to position myself right now? Because position matters. Amen? As one person said, this world equally distributes talent, but it does not equally distribute opportunity. And that's where the word of the Lord will put you in the exact position to have the opportunity that heaven has orchestrated for you to have. So listen, follow his spirit, understand that things can change like that with God. And all you got to do is keep your eyes on the prize. His name is Jesus. And as I said last week, whether you make a lot or don't have a lot, it doesn't even matter because as a born again believer, you're guaranteed that when you cross over from this earth, something is meeting you on the other side and it's better than anything we've ever seen. You know, my dad, I said this in the nine o'clock service, my dad passed away in 2015 from a brain tumor, which was very traumatic. And so anybody that's gone through that, it hurts. Of course, we prayed, we believed for his supernatural healing, but he passed away. But when he passed away, he passed away at Christmas time, December 21st, I think was the day that he passed away. And then a year later, my grandmother passed away. And so then we went and said to the family, we called a family meeting and said, now listen, guys, next Christmas, don't you go dying on me. <laughs> Like, we're kind of tired of the funerals this time of year, you know? And so <laughs> my dad passes away, but in the hospice care where he was, my mom, she was standing there. And, of course, it's traumatic for my mom. My dad wasn't that old. And the, the doctor was a born-again, spirit-filled believer. And he walks into the room, and he starts talking to my mom. And he said, man, let me tell you something. I can feel the peace of God in this room right now. He says, as a born-again believer that I live here and I see people cross over all the time, he said, the atmosphere in the room is different from a believer versus an unbeliever. He says, you can sense what's happening in the atmosphere. And he said, one time, a year and a half ago, there was a young kid in here that had a tumor on his spine that actually separated his spine and paralyzed him from the waist down, and he actually wound up passing away, a little 10-year-old boy. And he says, it was sad, but the family all loved the Lord. And he said, I watched with my own eyes as I was standing in the room, this piece of heaven just filled the place. And I looked to the bed and a paralyzed kid started running in the bed. And he's like, I felt the presence of Jesus. And he said, I knew he was running to the arms of Jesus right then and there. And his body, even though it's paralyzed, was moving because he was crossing over into eternity at that moment. And as he's telling my mom that story, my dad breathes his last breath. The peace of God fills the room. And my mom's just like so thankful that God sent that man in there at that time for that moment. Listen, church, even if your life is cut short in the world's terms, it is not cut short. Amen. You will live forever. Amen. You will rule and reign as kings with Christ Jesus. You are returning as the bride of Christ Jesus. Come on. Amen. We are eternal. Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Come on. He has is, he is annihilated every enemy of man. Come on. So come bring your best. Fire the rifles. Shoot the missiles. And we said in the 9 o'clock service, how cool would it be if we were so bold as believers that the enemy shot a missile and blew up this church? People were like, I mean, when you get to heaven, don't you want a cool story to say? You don't want to say, yeah, I went to sleep one night. It was like, no, Paul, 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 Paul. We were, we were preaching. We were praising the Lord. A missile blew the place. Like, say, we know we're standing right here with you, bro. What happened to you? I'm probably maybe one of the few people that think that way, but I th actually think that all the time. I'm like, when I go, how can I go? So I feel like in the going, there's a story, you know? Okay, moving on. 
We're a holy nation. God called Abraham a nation. We are those in every form of government around the world that carry the blessing of God. We bring life, we bring healing, we bring freedom, and we bring love. So if you identify as a believer, you must identify as one responsible for what is happening around you right here, right now. Okay? Season of blaming is over with. This generation stands on its own, and we will stand for the kingdom of God, and we will see it grow and advance, not retreat and back up. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. It is that hour, guys. And so we live in a day and age where a lot of people cast blame. They point fingers. They do this. But that's not what the church is meant to do. And the church is not meant to be huddled in a building criticizing the world. The church is meant to stand and go out in the world and bring about a difference. Do you believe it? Amen. And we can. We can influence the world. We can change atmospheres. When you, I remember when I, this might seem arrogant, but I went to work for a construction company when I got saved and I walked away from air conditioning refrigeration and the, the owner was named Joshua and my name's Caleb. So if you know the Bible, we take the promised land. So I looked at him day one. I just meet this guy and I said, because you're hiring me, your company's going to be blessed. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, Joshua and Caleb, you don't know that we take the promised land. Things you've not been able to acquire are going to happen because you're going to treat me well. That's what I said. I mean, I know it sounds like really arrogant, but I was just pouring from my spirit. Listen, three months from there, three months, he literally went from one team of people to three teams of people taking on massive jobs. And he actually called me aside and he was like, bro, everything you've said is happening. I'm going to give you a $2 an hour raise. And I was like, two bucks. Let's talk about 50, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's where you want to be a televangelist and says, $2, the Lord would say unto you, Psalm 33. I feel like there's an anointing on 33 increase. <laughs> As they say, faith without hints is dead, people. Oh, come on, laugh a little. Loosen up the greatest hour you've ever been alive. God is doing great things in your life. The enemy might have had a plan, but it's all reversing and unraveling around you, and you're stepping into a great season of just supernatural covering, protection, the presence of God. Some of you have been struck with COVID, and you beat that thing, just slapped it around. Come on. Rejoice in that. Stop hanging your head. I got sick. Who cares? You beat it. You're here to tell people, I had it and I slayed that dragon and I'll slay it again if you want me to. Because when the Lord is with, nothing can take them out. Some of you lost your jobs and then God positioned you to something even better. Why? Because that's the God that you serve. It's been a great year. Look at your neighbor say, it's good. And it's getting gooder. Yeah, sometimes you got to get bad grammar. It means more. You know it does. Society would recognize that when we get off the grammar train, it's more powerful. Sometimes you've got to bring out words like ain't. All right. Yes, Lord. See how heaven responded to that? So you get off that politically correct wagon and heaven's like, la, la, la. faith in this room right now. I actually feel like it's growing though. I feel like it's building right now. Let me pump you full of faith right now. You're not going under. You're going to another level. This nation is not going down. This nation is not coming to an end. God is not through with America. It's about to erupt across this nation from the White House to every house. A glorious move of God and the devil cannot stop it. He can't slow it down. He can't contain it. It's coming. Jesus. Come on, somebody. Woo. Your best days are right here, right now. So don't even say 2020 has been hard. Say 2020 has been my greatest year yet. I saw clearer than I ever saw. Things I thought I needed, I didn't know. I know I don't need anymore. Faith I put in people, I'm not putting in people anymore. I'm putting it in the word of the Lord. Come on. 
Wicked governments, they don't scare me because I'm of another government that is greater than this world. Hey! And I understand that God will shine in the dark places. That justice cannot be escaped. Come on, somebody. And so I serve the Lord. I keep my heart pure with Him. And I rest easy at night knowing that God is fighting a battle for me. And He is moving people and positioning people in great places of authority. All right, Matthew 16, 18 through 19. Whoo, man. Hallelujah. What a great day. I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. On this rock. Say on this rock. On this rock. Is that rock Peter? No. The rock is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus took his disciples to a place where the headwaters of the Jordan River came out of a rock. And it was a place of worship. On the mountainside today in Israel, there are still altars carved in the rock side where people still come and give flowers to old Greek gods and Roman gods and people that they worshipped at that time. Altars on the rock side. And that's where Jesus brought his disciples to turn as people are worshipping some other foreign god, some man-made or demonic entity, and challenge them with a question saying, Who do you say that I am? He said, You're the Messiah. The chosen one, the one Isaiah prophesied saying the government will rest upon your shoulders. You're the wonderful counselor, the mighty glorious king, the bright and the morning star, the first and the last, the alpha, the omega. That's who you are. On that rock, Jesus will build the church. On the rock of the revelation that no matter what, you worship Jesus. Nothing in this world should take the place of Jesus Christ. He's your everything. He's your all in all. You give him, you follow him, you give all your heart to him, you position yourself. And even if an army tells you you can't worship him, you worship him anyways. You close your eyes, you lift your hands, and you get ready. Either the bullets will bounce off of you as a supernatural sign of wonder, or you will open your eyes and you will be standing in glory. And either way, you win. Somebody says, why do you keep talking about us being shot? I don't know. It's just the subject of the... (laughs) Because y'all commented that Die Hard was a good Christmas movie. So I watch that thing, and I'm like, bro, pray for the church. You know what I'm saying? So all you guys that are like, die hard, we're going to have an altar call. Because Pastor Caleb's been talking about shooting the place up ever since he saw that movie. On this rock, the rock was and is Christ Jesus. We were to worship God. Thank God for the privilege. Number one, that we're in Florida right now. But you do understand right now in the United States, people are being told it is illegal to do what we're doing right now. That they're being told that they deserve prison time or have to be locked up because they're coming together to worship the Lord right now. And you have to realize it starts subtle, but it keeps growing. So at what point do the people of God say no? At what point do we resist wickedness and tyranny and stand for freedom? Because Jesus said, I've come and I've been anointed to set the captives free. Freedom does matter. Who in here, God has set you, he has set you free from things in your life. You used to be bound to sin. You used to be bound to drugs. You used to be bound to alcohol. You used to be bound to depression. You used to be bound to pornography. You used to be bound up everywhere around you, just tight. And then God came and just started severing those things off your life. And then you lift your hands and worship and you're like, I'm free. I am free. And it's a whole different feeling of like, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. You transformed me. You're awesome, God. You're free because of who he is. We worship the Lord. The enemy has always tried to stop the worship of of God. He's always tried to steal the worship. He took Jesus into the wilderness to tempt him with kingdoms and power and prestige and authority and say, if you would just worship me, I'll give it to you. And Jesus, mm, mm-mm-mm. I love it that Jesus didn't say no. He said, get behind me, Satan. Come on, take your place. You are a loser. You're behind me. You'll always be behind me. You cannot give me what is freely already mine. That's the king that you serve. Jesus never buckled, so why would you buckle? Amen. 
He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your worship. The enemy is always trying to steal the worship from Christ Jesus. But we as the church, we worship. We give him it all. We shout it out. We even sing drunk songs when we can't sing very good. Because we in the zone. And it felt good, by the way. One day, the Lord will anoint me. And I'll sing like an angel. And the glory of God will hit this place so strong, people will be on their faces like, that's not my pastor. That's not my pastor. I'll be like, la. I'm going. Mm. Man, one of the most powerful encounters I ever have with the Lord. Jesus. You believe that, right, Travis? Come on, Travis. Back me up, brother. Yes, amen, brother. Where two or more come in agreement, it shall happen. You believe me, Brian, right? Yeah. One of the most powerful encounters I have with the Lord, true story, I was in a worship service, and everybody started singing, Holy, Holy Are You, Lord? And it's like I closed my eyes, and I heard, it was one woman on a piano, I heard trombones, or sack butts, depending on, depending on if you're in the old or the new covenant. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I told you I woke up happy today. It's like, <laughs> it's like a whole other meaning. Like, I told you the new was better. I heard... Heavenly instruments. I mean, it was literally like a choir rose. And I started singing, and I could sing in key and, like, belt it out. And I was giving God everything. And I wound up on my face, and I just remember thinking, where am I right now? Like, I want this forever. I knew. I was, like, 26. I was like, you can take me right here right now. This is better than a 100 years of being a billionaire. This is better than anything I've ever experienced. I was like, Jesus, I don't want this to stop. I don't want this to stop. Take me. Just take me now. And I remember after what seemed like hours thinking, is anybody else even still here? And I remember I got the courage to lift my head off the ground, and I looked to the side, and there was everybody in the service was face down before the Lord. And everybody got up after like an hour of that, and everybody was saying, did you hear what I heard? One person on pianos, and it was like heaven began to sing with us. It was the most powerful moment of my life. Let me tell you, worshiping Christ in that moment, because I, I think the Lord gave me that because I thought I would hear people say, you're going to worship God for a thousand years. And up until that point, I was like, oh, it's a long time to worship. <laughs> like, do we get to go kayaking? Like, like, I understand there's not supposed to be hunting there, but is there catch and release at least? I mean... Man problems, you know what I'm saying? Like we're like, you know, do I get it right on the back of a lion at some point? You're gonna get to heaven if I beat you to heaven. You're gonna get to heaven and be like, some lion run by and you're like, there's Pastor Caleb, and I'll be singing. mind I'm seeing the one prophetic painter in here that's going to come next Sunday riding (laughs) come to my house it's like over the mantle break this morning. My cheeks are hurting. 
<laughs> oh, woo! Such an awesome. collect my thoughts. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Two things I always pray when I preach. I say, Lord, let your presence go with me. And then I say, Lord, help me be funny. And I just want to thank the Lord right now for an answered prayer. God is so good. Amen. Look at your neighbor say, he is good. And all the time, he is good. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you didn't realize it, the more you laugh, the stronger you are. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Some of y'all are going to be having <coughs> dreams about that. Like, Pastor Caleb, you ruined my idea of crossing into glory. I just want you to know. I apologize. On this rock, I will build my church. Say, build my church. Build my church. Oh, the church has always existed to further the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful thing. And one thing, I'll tell you a story and part of, I don't know if I write about it in my book, but I saw something in Bible school that really min, uh, mentored me, min, ministered to me, <laughs> ministered to me on this, that a friend of mine, and I love this guy, he was an awesome guy, precious guy, recently got married, he's doing great things for the kingdom of God. He, ba he battled with severe low self-esteem and just everything, just struggled his whole, you know, his life basically in extreme poverty and things like that. And I would take him out soul winning with me regularly. And we would go out and we would minister together and I would watch him because Pastor Rodney and still to this day, what a great man of God to me, just a general of the faith would preach at the Bible school and preach at the church, and all our Bible school students would be there, and he would minister. And man, to me, the anointing was so strong. I loved it, and I'd go forward. Hands would be laid upon me. The power of God would hit me, and I would just be in the presence of the Lord. But my friend never got it. He never got it. He would have hands laid upon him, and it was like laying hands on a wall. And it wasn't that he didn't love God. He loved God. He was trying. It's like he didn't get it. He couldn't get it. And one day, uh, uh, Pastor Donica was preaching, and she's an awesome, mighty woman of God. And she's like heavy on details. Pow, 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 pow. She knows it. And so she's on this thing. And I got lost in the details. I was like, what's happening? Uh, where, where, oh, and I'm trying to move along. An awesome woman of God. I'm not. It's just that moment. I was like trying to follow along. And she called an altar call. My friend went forward. And she laid hands on him. And he just, bam, hit the ground, crying, weeping under the presence of God. Then he began to laugh, rolling around, belly laughing. And I looked at him, and, and it's like I knew. That is why individual calls matter. Yes. You can reach someone no one can reach. Amen. And that's just gospel truth right yes. there. You are not a mistake. It is not all about public ministry. It is not all about bold voices that scream loud. It's sometimes the soft people, sometimes the funny people, sometimes the awkward people, sometimes the patient people. But we all have a call to build the church. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many people are thankful someone took the time to pour into you? Look at where the Lord has brought you. And it's such an honor and a privilege that God would entrust the kingdom to you. We could release a thousand angels with, with trombone, trombones and, 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 and cloth you know, or uh, tapestries broadcasting the kingdom to every single person. And everybody would hear it straight from his own lips if he wanted to. But he didn't do it that way. He took the greatest gift that he's ever given and he planted it on the inside of you and said, now, Antonio, give it away. And the more you give it away, watch what I'll do on the inside of you. Because every time you give it away, Paul said, I go from faith to faith. How? By I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew and also to the Greek. So when you preach it, when you share it, when you minister, when you pray for your brother, when you pray for your sister, when you pray for your coworker, something happens to where it's stronger on the inside of you than it was before you led them to the Lord. Because it's like God says, as you share, you get rewarded too. As they grow, you grow. Come on, somebody. That's heavenly discipleship. And it's a beautiful thing. Say, I want to be used in the supernatural. Start with the gospel. 
Start telling them about the Lord and then watch how the supernatural flows from that. Watch how your dreams begin to change and God begins to give you prophetic things. Watch how he entrusts you with things. Watch how positions arise. Watch how doors open. Because you're building the church, which is not a building. It's the church. And the church is everywhere. Come on, somebody. You better believe. Does God have someone in the federal government? Yes, he does. Does he have somebody in Korea? Yes, he does. Does he have someone in China? Yes, he does. Our God is not small. He's not asleep. He's not caught unaware. He's not just hoping for a move. He has positioned people everywhere across the nations of the world. That's the God that you serve. Right now, in every tongue, in every tribe, there is someone glorifying the same God that you glorify. They're hearing the same word that you hear. They're getting the same instructions you get. Because God is not schizophrenic. He has a plan. He has a strategy. And he's moving. And I tell you what, what an honor and privilege, privilege that we would be caught or called to be on the earth at this time. Every moment we get closer to the end. And God chose you to be here right now. Isn't that awesome? What's on the inside of you? That's right. It's a fire. And fire loves to spread. So stop trying to put the fire out and let that fire spread. Come on, somebody. Build the church. Share Jesus. I think that we are going to see an absolute explosion of the supernatural. I know that we are. I don't think it. I know that we are. It's already brewing, already happening, but it's like just you, if you've got that hunger, I mean, stir that hunger up. Stay in the Word, but you've got that hunger. You have dreams of people being healed. You go to sleep at night, and you see yourself praying for people. You see yourself going here. You see these miracles. That's not an accident, and that's not by coincidence. That's that God has given you a dream to stir on the inside of you things that are about to begin to happen at a greater level. Years ago, I prayed for a guy that died in the middle of the road. He came back from the dead. Everything was supernatural, and it didn't get wrote up in one newspaper. And I walked to the Lord, and I said, God, I thought that this would be something spoken about. And the Lord said, it has to get more than just a scattered few. Can't just be one person doing it. God says it's got to be so vast and so numerous that it's undeniable what I'm doing at that time. And I believe that God is moving in that hour right now where he's looking to raise the church up in the supernatural. But it begins with a heart just to share Jesus. He loves you. He changed your life. Do not be ashamed of it. Even if someone calls you a weirdo, they probably are calling you a weirdo anyways. It's true. And they might not even think anything about you. While I'm on it, you know, just so you know, my testimony, and I could go for a long time on my testimony, but I was, I was one night, I was underage, drinking, partying, and there was a gas station that would sell to an underage person. And so I went to the gas station. I'm buying alcohol. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I leave the church. Or the church, not the church. <laughs> That's the world's church, you know. I leave the gas station with a beer in my hand, and a man was standing in the parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he walked right up to me, and he smiled. And he said, sir, do you know that Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life? And I cussed him out. I did. I cussed him like a dog. I t every cuss word I could sling at him. I said, don't you know what I'm doing? Don't you know what's happening right now? Nobody out here is sober. Nobody wants Jesus here. We're all bleepity bleepity bleep. And I was so mad, I drove across the road, and I parked my truck, and I watched that guy. Because I was like, he's got to be a drug dealer. He's got to be something shady's going on. This guy isn't really sharing Jesus with people at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I watched him hug people. I watched him pray for people. I watched him lay hands on people. And I sat there getting madder and madder and madder. And one week later, I'm in my room, and I cry out to God. And God begins a journey to change my life. Listen, you share Jesus. You might be cussed out. But a week later, that person is in their room with it spinning, crying out to the same Jesus that you carried that night. Somebody shout amen. Jesus is on the move. You say, but the world is mean. They are mean. That's because they don't have the love that you have. And that's because they're hurting and hurt people hurt people. But when you bring love and you bring life and you bring freedom and you bring that into this nation and into this world, people's lives are changed. Build the church. And lastly, it says that he gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven to bind and to lose. Number one, we understand that as prayer. 
declaring things. The Bible says that every word that comes from the mouth of God always accomplishes that which it was sent forth to do and never returns void. Are you with me? And I remember one time I said, God, why do so many people in the church not know what they're supposed to do? And God said, because every word that comes from my mouth does not return void. They first have to come to a place where they're willing to do whatever I ask them before they even know what it is. And then I'll release the word and it'll accomplish it. I was like, that's pretty simple right there. So I I don't hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe it's because you need to up your commitment. And so, sorry, I got sidetracked on that. Binding and loosing. I understand and and I'm grateful, especially even in our prayer time, I, I notice a lot of people pray in the sense of in themselves eternally. And they say, the Lord can hear my thoughts. I don't have to say them out loud. And that is true. Some things that you're praying about would be awkward. Plus, relational prayer is the prayer that you pray without ceasing. Everywhere you go, walking down Walmart, walking in Target, walking wherever you are, you're praying in your spirit and God can hear you. And God can speak to you. It's the still small voice that you hear. Amen. That's powerful. But there also is a place for declaration prayer where you declare it because it's prophetic. And God is looking to, for people to declare things right now. Amen. Why do you think that the television and the social media and everything has any power to sway people? Because a message has power. So God wants to release a message right now. He wants to speak it out. So let the Lord give you words to declare right now. It is a powerful supernatural thing where you declare the supernatural things of God. And I think I started the service. If you've been feeling tension right now in America, you wake up one day and you feel that tension, what's going to happen? That you don't give way to to the heaviness. You just begin to declare things out. I'll lift you up, Jesus. I exalt you over this nation. This nation will serve God. This nation will honor God. The move of the Spirit of heaven will not be disrupted or stopped. It will spread like wildfire. I pray for our president that you would give him wisdom. I pray for our senate that you would raise up the right people. I pray for our local county that you would position the right people. God, I pray and declare supernatural things. But in the binding and loosing is also a strategy from heaven. That it's not just God wants you to speak things out, but it is that God wants to put you in a place to make a difference. Look at the world right now. It shows you that we put so much focus on our federal elections that we lose sight of the reality of sometimes what's happening local. If we can just get a good president. No, what's happening right here, right now? Who's on your school board? Who's on the mayor? Who's the police chief? Who's the sheriff? Who's running the city and the county right now? And you say, well... Our county's going to hell. Then we need as a church to say not in our generation. That in every election we should be raising people up full of the word of God, the anointing of God, the spirit of God. To step into places of authority to bind and to loose the kingdom of God and the enemy from operating. Because what did that say? It said the nation whose God is the Lord is blessed and favored. That trickles down to your family. You honor the Lord, your household is blessed. But let's talk about the individual calls. I know there's a lot of things that have happened in the educational world, but it's time for a whole wave of teachers to be raised up that fear God and honor God and know his word and stand for righteousness and truth that are unashamed of the gospel. Come on. That are being even willing to be a re- or, or, thr- or uh, lose their jobs to take a stand for the gospel to reverse the tide of wickedness. It's quiet in this church right now. It's like when you bring it into application, people are like, wait a second, I have to do something? (laughs) I believe binding and loosing in this capacity is that, that God is looking to put people in positions of authority. Why is it godly that you would have your own business? Because you set the atmosphere of that business. Because when you stand there, righteousness can pour through you to the people, and they can come in loss, and they can meet Jesus, never going to a church, but meeting him through you in a place of work where their needs are being met, and spiritually and physically. Come on, somebody. I believe that's what binding and loosing is talking about. That is God saying, I have a plan, and I want to position people into strategic places to stand during this hour and in the hours to come. And if Jesus tarries, we got to make a commitment that the move of God will grow and not shrink over the next 40, 50 years, that it will continue to grow That God's kingdom will multiply and multiply. That what is accepted now will not be accepted in in wicked things, will not be accepted in the years to come. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God can reverse things? Come on, somebody. That is the supernatural things of God. 
That's the binding and loosing. That's the church. And listen, closing, what does it say? It says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Think about that. It means that the gates of hell are there to protect hell. It doesn't say that hell will not prevail against the gates of heaven. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In other words, God is not saying serve and you know, protect and build the kingdom and hope that things go good. God is saying go into the enemy's territory. His gate will not stand when you stand outside as the church. You will break down the territory of the enemy and you will take back what the enemy has taken from this generation. Do you believe it? The violent, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent and the violent take it by force. Come on. How do we do it? It's by educating ourselves, by growing, by being full of the word of God and the anointing and stirring each other up with the gift of faith to say you can make a difference and you will make a difference and you take your place and God will do supernatural things. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.